Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Fundamentals, not emotion. I, I think that's the best ever. I can't drive that point home more than ever. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend them. I've worked with them before. I'm currently working with them right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take them up on his offer. Get a free coaching session, coachwithtrevor.com. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and this is a show where we don't do the fluffy stuff. We get straight to the real estate advice that moves your business forward. We've had many best ever guests who have given wonderful insights on how to be more profitable and uh, really how to spend the time, how you want to spend it by creating systems in place for your real estate company. With us today, we've got an incredibly smart analyst as well as real estate investor. How you doing, Don Campbell? Oh man, how do I live up to that? The incredibly smart moniker. That's going to be great. I'm doing great. <laughs> well, I you know I, I, I think you're going to be incredibly smart based on your background, but Obviously, the best ever listeners are going to have to judge, right? Let's let them sit in judgment for the next 40 minutes, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit about Don, and then we'll get into it. Don is based in Canada. He's actually uh, out, right outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. So he's uh, with our, our friends up north, and obviously he loves hockey, right? You're a big hockey fan? Yeah, a little bit more of an NFL fan and a little bit more of a soccer fan. Hockey's three for me. Because up, oh, don't break the stereotype. No, out west, there ain't no snow here, brother. There's no snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, now now I have a, a completely skewed version of Canada in my mind, and now I don't know what to think about Canadians. Although every Canadian I have met has been friendly, incredibly friendly. I will say that. There's a, there's uh, a stereotype for you. That's right. I know, I know, I know. Just like New Yorkers are mean, which is not the case whenever I live there. A little bit more about Don. Don's the founding partner and senior analyst of Real Estate Investment Network and Cutting Edge Research, both of which have entered their 22nd year of providing unbiased research and analysis on the Canadian real estate markets. As I mentioned, he's also an investor, author, educator, and you can say hi to him at his website, donrcampbell.com, or you can just click through on the show notes page to the link. With that being said, Don, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I uh, taught real estate in Australia, in the UK, in the US, and in Canada. So not just being a Canadian and a, and a focused on Canada. I began back in the day, my goodness, much older than you, Joe, but uh, back in the day when I had a perm and a mustache and thought I was the king and uh, bought my first property in the 80s, paid 16 and a quarter percent interest rate and still made money on the deal. And uh, it worked so well that it took me years to do it again. A typical male at that point is like, okay, that worked. Let's go find something else to do. And uh, best ever listeners, please <laughs> don't do that. If something works, keep doing it. And uh, and so I, uh, I, I started with residential property. I, I now own quite a nice portfolio of single condos, single family homes, townhouses, apartment buildings, and uh, commercial light industrial property. That's my background, but I Honest to goodness, guys, uh, I started with a part-time job at Sears, and it wasn't a regular Sears. It was the discount store of Sears, and that means they also discounted the salary. So, man, if a guy with a perm and a discounted salary uh, can do it, just about anybody can do it. Well, I think a perm would be an advantage because there's that's an immediate talking point that you can have with anybody whenever you walk up to them, <laughs> or or have them run away. One of the, one of the right. E- either way, you're going to get a reaction. You founded your research companies 22 years ago. How much experience did you have before founding those companies and providing insight into the markets? Well, I, I had about a decade of. of uh, of talent, as you could say, which means making mistakes and finding out what works and what doesn't work. With a couple of partners, well, we, we took this thing to a, a, a fantastic spot. Here's the reason why that we were able to do that, is that we weren't selling real estate. We weren't pitching the next get-rich-quick mentality. We were just boiling it down to what it really takes to be a successful investor, how to make real estate boring, even. Uh, the, the one of the philosophies that we have is you don't want real estate to become your life. We, you want real estate to fund your life. And that was something that we really, really worked on keeping the emotions out of the marketplace. And our research has been um, used by the media uh, for you know 20 years. And investors now we crossed over, Joe, uh, just before we came on, I got an email. It says we just crossed over the $4.5 billion mark of the real estate being purchased by our clients, which is mom and pops. And that's pretty cool from starting at a dining room table. The question that you said that your company answers is what does it take to be a successful investor? So clearly I have to ask you that 
because that's a money question. What does it take to be a successful investor? Well, uh, you know, as a good friend of mine puts, the real estate's like a three-course meal, right? The appetizer is the positive cash flow. It's always uh, appreciated but not required. The dessert is the equity appreciation, like an appetizer. It's always appreciated but not required for a meal or even wealth creation. And the main course is mortgage pay down month after month. And the fact is you'll get rich and fat on the on that main course, but the dessert, if you position your portfolio well, the dessert is especially sweet. So how do you do that? How do you become a successful real estate investor? You use the mantra fundamentals, not emotions. And um, you find markets and demographic trends, like right now in, in the US and in Canada, there's this giant demographic of the millennials just entering the marketplace. You find those trends and get in front of them. You don't chase markets. You don't chase money. You don't chase profit. You know, you position yourself for them to come to you. And uh, as I said, you know, if you do that, real estate funds your life. It doesn't become your life. You don't become the obsessive seminar grad that I see so many of them out there. Uh, real estate is just a financial vehicle that if you buy right in the right spots and you manage it well, um, you can become incredibly wealthy. You can have enough residual income that you can't spend it. And at the end of the day, it should be not stressful and it should be, uh, I know the term is kind of loose, but it should be boring. The property should just operate on its own and let the market take care of you. And if you do that right, you can really kick butt even in downturns. The whole finding the trends and get in front of them, what specific data points do you look at whenever you're identifying trends to get in front of and then purchase property in those locations? Well, definitely number one is the uh, average age of the people in that city or that town. Not nationally, because it doesn't matter to me what a national average is. I want to see, the, especially now, so previously, 20 years ago, we were positioning ourselves for the trend and the demographic trend of the baby boomers. You know what, frankly, that's what I'm, I am one of those, we're done. Like the new buyers should be positioning themselves for the coming millennial trend. In the US, it's actually larger than the baby boomers. And we saw what the baby boomers did to the real estate markets and the stock markets and every other market. When they went through, the millennials are coming through now, just starting 2016, 2015. And they, uh, that is one trend that you won't be able to hold back. And if you're buying investing based on, you know, the baby boomers are going to sell and move down south and do all that kind of stuff, you'll do very well for the next five, seven, eight years. But you're going to miss out on the real trend and the real momentum, which the millennials are going to bring. So number one is millennials. Then you have to find out what does the millennial want? Well, they want nicer stuff than what us baby boomers wanted. So you're going to have to be buying properties and renovating them to a tiny bit higher standard. And they're going to want walkability, you know, walkscore.com. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic website for every uh, best ever listener to find out what future demand on that property is going to be. Walkscore.com says out of 100, how walkable is this for transit and for eating and for restaurants, etc.? Well, that's what the millennials are wanting. And uh, I, I suggest that that and areas of transition that are funky and the demographic, if you do those four things, you're going to look like a genius. When you're taking a look at the average age of people in town, do you look for 
the just the millennial age or do you look for people a little bit younger than that and kind of forecast like what specific age range are you looking at well if if they're born in 1980 to you know whatever 93 something along those lines that's a beautiful spot to be targeting because uh especially in the u.s right now you're seeing the economy starting to kind of chug along and you're starting to see jobs being created and who's taking up those jobs now is a lot of millennials. And therefore, you're starting to see that age group enter the market. Now, 51% of those people are still living with their mom and dad. You know, as a baby boomers, it was only 30% at this age group. So you're seeing a lot of pressure being created behind this dam called I haven't moved out of mommy and daddy's place yet. So when that dam starts to burst, which is generally going to be in a city or a town where the economy starts to take off and people are migrating to, uh, you're going to start seeing uh, this, this kind of growth occur. And you're seeing it in some towns in Texas. You're seeing it in some towns in California. You're seeing it in Carolinas. You're starting to see it occur, but it's so early in the trend that you can get ahead of this. So that's that age group. And then that's that's where I want to position my my portfolio. When you're looking at the type of real estate, when you're identifying these trends, and I'm talking about the millennials in particular yes. and wanting walkabout walkability transit, is there a type of real estate that is more favorable when taking this approach? Like you know, I know you said you have, uh, I think you said light industrial. You have single family homes, townhomes, town. apartments. Yeah. If I'm going to be positioning for the millennials, there's a couple of things. What I'm seeing right now is a trend in Canada and in some cities in the U.S. are these small micro suites and uh, the, the small living trend. Well, I'll tell you right now that that's fantastic right now because it's affordable. But give that five, six, seven years from now and the, and the demand for those is going to be very low because millennials are going to figure out that, wait a second, I am wanting to get married or I want to live with somebody and we want to have kids. And suddenly those little micro suites that were so cool and funky and affordable for investors now have become useless. And what we're starting to see is that demand really, really early, but the demand is for dirt. So the townhouses are really proving to be great because they're easy to manage for an investor, but they also have dirt, they have backyards. And that's where the millennials are going to head to. Um, Here's your your, uh, hockey reference. I'm going to reference Uh, The great Wayne Gretzky, best hockey player ever in the history of the world. And he always said, the reason I'm so good is I always go to where the puck is going to go instead of where it is. That's why I'm looking at these demographic trends is where the millennials going to go right now. Sure, the demand is on those small suites and small apartments, but you're going to see the demand increase with units with dirt on them. Don, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, best ever. Fundamentals, not emotion. I, I think that's the best ever. I can't drive that point home uh, more than ever because there are enough TV shows and there's enough get rich quick thing that draw that drives you in and gets you excited about real estate. But what I want you to do is just kind of step back. Uh, as as a best ever listener, you're also a best ever learner, and I you know, I, I suggest that if you start focusing on the fundamentals that drive the market. You're not going to get caught when the inevitable market 
stops. It always stops. It pauses sometimes. It stops in some cities sometimes. You know, it's like a game of music, musical chairs is how I kind of put it. Is, you know, it's fun and exciting, but inevitably the music pauses. And if you're a strategic investor and you're positioned well, you get a chair. If you don't, if you're just one of those people that's running after the next dollar, guess what happens? When the music stops, and it will, and it always does, you're standing there going, uh-oh, big trouble. So don't let the, the excitement of TV or, or, or the drama of TV shows or Get Rich Quick draw you in too much. Always play a little bit of offense and defense. Do you advocate selling when the music stops, or do you advocate you know holding or anything in between? It's a great question because it all depends on why the music stopped or paused. In my markets where the millennials are moving to and the transit is being built and and uh, the the economy has some real legs underneath it, rather than just one leg, like it's not a one horse town type of thing, then I will ride that wave through. I will ride it through the downturn. I will just become incredibly proactive at managing those properties and keeping them full. And then uh, uh, back in the upswing. But if it's one of those markets that is just dying, the demographics are dying, the economy is dying, GM is moving out or whatever the plan is, get the heck out. There's no need to go through that pain. And what's really, really cool, really, really cool is that if you follow our long term formula, you're able to forecast these types of downturns and whether they're real or long, about 16, 18 months in advance of everybody else. And that's what I love is you get, you know, with, with, with that formula, which, you know, I should send that to you, Joe, you can stick it up in your show notes. With that formula, it's like a big red arrow. You can see the market and where the demand's going to be 18 months from now on the way up and on the way down. And that kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage. When you're looking at the market, I, I guess I guess the question is ties into the formula. From a high level, can you explain it? Sure. From a high level, the property purchase demand, you know, the demand and the average sale price, the supply and demand, and the average sale price, doesn't really occur until 18 months after the GDP, the gross domestic product, the economy of that town or that that, that region starts to take off. Because it takes a lot of time. You know, you see the headlines. Oh, my goodness, the, the, you know, the, the housing market's booming. That started to occur 18 months after we identified it by focusing not on the real estate market. If you focus on the real estate market, you're like everybody else. I'm an investor. Look at me. I've got property. Well, that's great. But if you want to be a strategic investor, you look way in advance to saying, what are the underpinnings of that market? Is the economy here? Or, for instance... I see people investing in regions that are going up in value, but there's no underlying economy. What inevitably happens, what inevitably happens in those situations is that the music stops. And when it stops, it stops for a long, long time because there's nothing to stimulate that market other than speculation and maybe some retirees moving into the region because it's cheaper. I want to be way ahead of that. And I'm going to look for economic growth. I'm going to look for population growth. I'm going to look for the demographic, the age of the people who are moving into the region. And are they moving there to retire and have plateaued incomes? Or are they moving there early on their life cycle where their incomes are just beginning? I like the ones where there's going to, they're going to have more money to spend in the future, not less. When you mentioned the no underlying economy, can you give some more info on that in detail? Because I, I'm wondering if there's a city and they're 
are people employed, then that's an economy. So do you look at when you say no underlying economy, are you referencing diversity, like job diversity? So it's not relying on one industry or or what? Sure. Uh, I'm looking for growth. There are a lot of cities that have people working and running around and driving around and doing all the regular stuff. But I'm looking for a comparison, an economy that is growing faster than other regions in the area. You can see where Austin, for instance, is really starting to take off economically. You're seeing a lot of people moving from Silicon Valley to there to open up their startups. So you're seeing a, a, a life underneath the already existing Austin economy. So you start to see those types of opportunities. And then you say, wait a second, people move to Silicon Valley. They're going to be attracting an awful lot of millennials. And at the beginning, they're not going to get paid a lot. But if this, these things go, then the, the income starts to increase. Therefore, they're going to be able to afford more real estate and or more rent from me. And they're going to rent, they can pay for more rent in, on the properties that are going to get rent from me. So that's what I look for. So just about every city has some sort of economy, but I want to see it growing more quickly than the underlying region or the state or the province, if we're listening to it in Canada. And that's where I put my money. And that's, that's how I analyze it. You can get a lot of that. You get a lot of that information from the Economic Development Office of the city itself. That's a great place to start. Is to go to the Economic Development Office before you buy in there, because I see people buying properties that are worth five thousand. Look at me, I have five thousand bucks, and I get to put it on my visa. It's fantastic. And then five years later, it's worth ten thousand bucks, and they quote doubled their money. But at the same time, you know, we've made hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars by buying a property that's worth more in an area that has increasing demand. So that's kind of how we look at it. And with the jobs growing faster, and you said, you know, you gave us economic development office as a reference, what's the data point exactly? Is it total number of jobs or, you know, compared to other places in other cities in the region? Is it unemployment? Is it a, a percentage of job growth? That's the one right there, sir. That's the one. Okay. It's the percentage of job growth. That's the magic number. If you're doing that, you, you can do actual comparisons because I don't mind investing in smaller centers as long as the job growth percentage is there because I've seen a lot of cities, a lot of towns go through these transitions of, uh-oh, we're a one-horse town and we're dying. So we need to, as mayor, council, and business council, get together and start doing things to attract a new economy into the region. And I've seen other cities that had a great reputation, but fell off the whole, uh, they got really comfortable and they just fell off the whole growth situation because they kind of took their hand off the lever. And so it's, it's a, a great question is percentage of job growth, number one, and then from that, because because uh, unemployment rate don't don't pay any attention to it because it's really really easily manipulated. So it does it means nothing. So it's uh, it's percentage of job growth versus my other potential cities that I could put my money into. Because some people like to stay in their state for whatever reason, and uh, they can do a comparison between town and town. Very valuable information. You ready for the best ever lightning round? <sighs> I, I've heard this before, and I'm going to nail this one. Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. 
pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com. All right, you're set, you set the bar really high. Best ever book you've read. Two of them for you. That's why the bar is so high. Number one, Mozart's <laughs> Brain and the Fighter Pilot by Richard Restack. You got to read it. And the other one is kind of a funny title, but it makes a difference. Mike Hernacki's Ultimate Secret to Getting Absolutely Everything You Want. The title is overstated, but the, the lesson you can learn in that little book, that, and as a matter of fact, it changed my life. I've heard someone recommend that book. They said the same exact thing you said, but they recommend the book as well. I, I can't remember who that was, but I have both of those now in my uh, Amazon queue. And best ever listener, you can just click through to these links and you can check those out too. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it? <laughs> Every day is a growth experience, my friend. You know, the choices we make during the day is are continually throughout the day. That's what our values come from. So I am looking at every day, every opportunity as a growth opportunity. I hear people that say, I want to get in better shape, but they make choices and excuses not to get off their chair. Then there's me. There's me who is freaked out about speaking in front of an audience despite never experiencing it. I'm never going to do that. And you know what's interesting is that it forced me into one of those moments in my life. And I said, Don, yes, I speak to myself that way. <laughs> Don, <laughs> do you want to be a, a truly be a leader and help change people's lives? Because that's what I, I believe in my world. Or am I just lying to myself? And if you want to be a leader, get going. So I hired a coach. I did everything I possibly could to become a great speaker. And I never stopped improving on that side. And I just hope the best ever listeners get this point really clearly. Everybody has built-in excuses for not doing something. Oh, I'm too poor, I'm too old, or I'm too this, or I'm too that. But in all cases, yes, all cases, you can find someone who's used that exact excuse to propel themselves forward. Rather than taking a simple step of hiding behind the excuse, use those excuses. This is not very lightning, Joe. <laughs> use this excuse to really propel you forward. I sucked terribly as a speaker. I don't anymore. Best ever deal you've done. Best ever deal I've done. A 70 unit apartment building I bought with two partners. One's a financial partner, one an operational partner. Halfway through the ownership cycle, the financial partner got way more than he ever expected. Got a big check and set him up for retirement. And at the end of the ownership cycle, we sold it at a price per unit that is still a record today in that city. Feeling pretty good best ever way you like to give back 100% of my royalties for all of my books all eight of them uh, now uh, have from the beginning gone to Habitat for Humanity and I suggest your best ever listeners find a way to give back large or small because the payback's immeasurable my goal was $20,000 to Habitat we just crossed the 1.2 million dollar mark for uh, donation to Habitat it feels amazing and it doesn't go away what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate uh, not listening to myself <laughs> after as many years of real estate mistakes become lessons i turn all these mistakes into lessons and i've created many many lessons over the last 30 years but i say the biggest one is talking myself into a building that didn't fit my profile my program i fell in love with the building and forgot to really dig into the key fundamentals and you see it on the tv shows you see it on uh, at seminars you see people get fall in love with the building stop don't do that they cost me a lot of money and i will never ever ever do it again probably until the next time that i fall in love with the building <laughs> and and then somebody will have to kick me so i'll be in the um behind 
And what's the best ever place the listeners can reach you? Uh, how about uh, Twitter at Don R. Campbell? Uh, Facebook is The Rain Man with an E, Rain Man. And Don at RainCanada.com. I'd love to hear your emails. I, lo- I love reading them. I'd love to hear your stories. And my, if I can help it all, it's D O N at R E I N Canada.com. Joe. Don, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice and your expertise with the best ever listeners. And boy, I love talking to analysts who are also real estate investors and learning how you approach real estate and the very boring way uh, that you want to approach real estate, even though thankfully for uh, myself and all the best ever listeners, you were not boring when you talked about it, but rather your approach is very methodical. And uh, the magic number of the uh, underpinnings of a market and taking a look at that in detail is, as you said, the percentage of job growth versus other potential cities I could put my money into, as well as many other things. Uh, One of them you highlighted was getting ready for the millennials and catering to their needs, such as having uh, nicer things than the baby boomers, having the walkability, uh, walkscore.com is a good resource, uh, being close to transit, and um, the dirt, as you call it, or the backyards uh, is, is another bonus for uh, for the millennials. A lot of really good, insightful things, very valuable conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Joe. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.